Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. And a call here with you in the company of Alan Morrison, a.k.a. Celtic Bear Numbers, and by Juco James. As always, for YouTube watchers, do not be concerned. I am not recording this from a campsite in Europe. I am in the van, but it's not because I'm traveling and the streams are all going to be wonky every time you come to the channel. We're looking back at Celtic's 1-0 win over Rangers at the weekend. Celtic going now for a treble under Ange Postacoglu. And Alan, I mean, all you can say at this point in time is that Ange is just the luckiest manager in the world. I, I mean, what was very telling um, at the end of the game was just how pumped he looked. I mean, I don't think I've seen him that pumped, actually, since Tannadice when the league was clinched, right? Or, 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 or to be fair, when he won the League Cup and he, he, pr- he proved himself a winner. Um, he, he was absolutely juiced at the end of the game. And that's very telling to me because, again, I come back to Ange isn't that difficult to read and that sort of relief and joy, you know, relief first, joy second sort of thing that came with winning that game told me that this was a this was a result first performance second uh, approach that had been taken today. He knew that everything was on the line for them and this was going to be a tough game that probably they would go physical, which is what they did, and that we'd have to just slug it out basically and and, and really... Uh, just hope to find a way over the line, which we did, and I think that's why the why the joy was there and relief essentially. I think, as I say, was the primary, possibly the primary uh, emotion at the end. So yeah, I, I, I've I've learned to take my lead from from Angie's reactions because I think they're always honest and they're always revealing, and so that's that's kind of my summary, I suppose. If if you want to start from the back and then we'll work mm. our way back through the game as we go through the pod. <laughs> Yeah, James, the reaction from Ange was very interesting, especially in the press conference. Like, because things have gone so well for him, firstly, at the club, also because he's so calculated in everything that he says, sometimes it can come across as if Ange isn't that emotional about the game and, you know, he's he doesn't spend too much time around the dressing room and you can sort of get the impression that he's there to do a job and he just does a job and gets on with it, but He's a stone cold killer, really, and he wants to win and wa- wants the passion that Celtic fans bring to the game. And this means a huge amount to him, whether 
uh, people want to put it down to luck or not. Yeah, I thought the um, the effervescence that was coming off of him, that's not a, a normal thing you see, right? That's not that kind of joyous uh, energy that was coming off of him and, you know, some of the interactions with Martin O'Neill and that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that's I'm sure that's the way he is in real life. <laughs> but, you know, when when you're, as, as Alan said, when you're an extremely competitive person and you're in that kind of setting, that kind of job, um, you know, flipping that switch, I'm, I'm sure is, is not the easiest thing. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was enjoyable to see him enjoying himself because <laughs> I'm sure it's, you know, again, we, we, we think about these things and we talk about them so much as supporters and even as, uh, you know, um, pseudo analysts, so to speak. And, you know, the, the human side of this is, this is a grind. I mean, the, the way these people live their lives during this season um, from the players to the managers to the support staff, um, you know, working evenings and six, seven days a week and that kind of stuff for months on end. It's just a, a grind. So when, when you get the, the, the payoff at the end of the rainbow, I'm sure it's uh, quite quite the um, release of, of uh, energy. And, and as Alan said, I think relief as well so it's all kind of bundled up together so it's it's fun to watch it when it happens mm. sort of like a, a working class person who goes on to have great success financially i think Ange has the great sort of duo personalities of somebody who's super mega talented and also has a chip on his shoulder because of how he grew up and how he made his way through the world of football and is now finally getting some recognition that, you know, I, I would rank him up very, very highly in the world of world management. And yet he still has the mindset of the underdog who has to go out and prove himself each and every time. And I think that's what you're seeing when I celebrates like this is that that's another job. They're proven wrong. Once again, I've done it again. And it's not in an arrogant way. It's just in a, like kind of a fuck you kind of way to the people who doubted him. Um, which is always good when when it comes to maintaining success, which is important because you can get to a point where you think you've had success and you just stop and I, you just don't see that happening with and maybe he might do it with another club, but it, it certainly won't stop with what he's doing with Celtic at the time. But we'll park the aftermath conversation for just a second because we want to get into the match as well. I missed this game live, but uh, you guys caught it. I watched it in the aftermath. Always different watching a game in the aftermath. You take the emotion out of it. Not a great quality game, Alan, I would say, particularly the second half. But once again, the goal comes from a situation where the Celtic players have a completely different mindset to the Ranger players, that they just don't stop in general in the game, whether that's when they think they're fouled or not. They just they keep going, they keep their concentration, and all the Rangers players stopped and Celtic scored. And that was the difference between the two game, two teams in the end. Yeah, and just just for everyone else's benefit, the reason Ender didn't see the game was he successfully completed the Belfast Marathon, which is an outstanding effort. So well done, young man! Very <laughs> very you. proud of you. Uh, excellent it, effort. It, um, in only tw- twelve yeah, hours and three minutes too. That was a good time. <laughs> only two time. days. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just finished. I say that's why I'm still in my running gear. <laughs> no, it, it did it in a very impressive time as well. But I'll let I'll let him 
leak that out if he wants to. Um, yeah, listen, no, you know, you're spot on in in many ways to sort of fall back into the sort of lazy punditry. It was a classic semi final, in being a very sort of messy messy game. But I, I think I think as we go through the pod, one thing I do want to get into is this whole, you know, performance versus outcome because it's it's one of the things that we that we talk about a lot. Um, Ange talks about, he talks about performance all the time, but sometimes it is just about the result. So winning that game that clinches the league title is just about getting over the line. The reason that you're there, the reason that you're in a position to win a game of football, to win the league title is because your performances have been consistent and, and they've been of a good quality all the way through the season. The reason that you're in a cup semi-final is because your performances have got you through the rounds. But sometimes, especially when you're playing a game against you know your rival like this and the, all the sort of paraphernalia that goes round it, it is about getting over the the line. I think so, but that but that's not to say you know we are a performance focused <laughs> uh, podcast, and so it, I think it's important to get into that and to sort of talk about you know how Celtic performed and look at some of the underlying data, but also the trends that have emerged over a number of games now where Celtic have played against them and um, have have. You know, prevailed, but they've all been close games, and actually there are some themes in, in terms of the underlying data. And does that mean that actually the, the difference between the two teams is minimal, or does it actually um, are, are there some other contexts that need to be brought in? I think these are some of the themes that we'll we'll maybe explore. Somebody asked me today, you know, Paul asked me, you know, could, could, can data have predicted that Celtic goal? But actually, it possibly could because. We know that Barisic and Taverni fall asleep. We know that Davis is intrinsically not a very good defender. We know that you know Jota and, and Maida will will have ringing in their ears the mantra that they must be on their toes for every opportunity. So in some senses, it was it was almost a predictable Celtic goal. The, the quickness of the free kick, the lack of midfielders tracking back. I mean, immediately that McGregor took that simple free kick, um, Arfield and, and Kent were out of the game. Right, that's, that's that's number one. Uh, then obviously Raskin stops, and then the rest of the defence stops. So these are all things that Celtic play for, and th- these are f- weaknesses in in the Rangers team that we've seen in other games. So in that respect, it w- it was a quite predictable goal. It, it was calamitous and unexpected just how systemic their failure was to deal with that moment. Uh, I mean, it was an absolute meltdown across the whole of the midfield and defence to deal with that sit- or to not deal with that that situation. Um, you know, and at the end of it, there was an, an incredible piece of quality. Midas cross. I'm, I've still, what you know, number of times I've watched, I still don't quite understand how he managed to get his foot round it, given that he was running away from the goal, and then he got his foot round it to to hike it back into the six yard box. Uh, it was an astonishing piece of skill, really. Um, so that that's noteworthy, and 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 that was at the, really at the end of a first half where. Although there ha- there wasn't a lot in the game, Celtic had control of the game at that point, and the goal then gave them the the, the that cushion, if you like. And and in the second half was really a case. Obviously, they're going to then come at Celtic with everything they've got. They changed to a four 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 two diamond, which I've always, as a from a coaching side, I always like that formation. I think it's a safe formation. I think it makes you solid and it gives you a foundation. Um, and it because it means your midfielders are generally in close proximity to each other. It means that in transition, you've generally got the central areas um, well marshaled. Um, the own, and, and, and if your two most attacking players are your fullbacks, which for the Rangers it is, 
then it's it's not a bad approach to take. But again, what I'd expect their supporters to be saying was, why didn't we start that way? Because that was clearly a more effective way of playing, really. So you know, but ultimately you know, they had a they had a moment. They had a moment with um, Taverni hitting the post and Sakala missing. They had a moment before that, which surely would have been disallowed when. Um, Hart made an incredible save, actually, from a Sakala shot from a free kick, which was which was a offside, and then b Morelos took out uh, Carter Vickers as he cleared. So that would surely have been disallowed had anything come from that. So really, they had one moment in that second half when Tiverni uh, hit the post and Sakala missed the rebound. So I, I I personally think that's quite poor return <laughs> for a game that is an absolute must win for for them. Um, but but what can't be denied is that you know the underlying stats for Celtic were again another game against them where we've not really created a lot. XG was you know 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9. Theirs was just over one. It was all a bit coin coin tossy as 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 James will no doubt say. But does that matter? And I think that's the debate that I think we can move on to. Maybe I'm interested to get James's summary of the game, but I also want mm. to get into that question of should we care that these matches have been so close or should we be worried that Celtic's performance data looks to be so similar to theirs? That's the the question I'd like to get into with James. Yeah. Well, James, like you go back over all of the Derby reviews from across the season, maybe even last season. And you'll find me saying that Celtic just have better players. And that's, that it's it's a very simplistic way of looking at the, the game and it's not very deep in terms of the analysis, but you watch or listen to any top level coach or individual who's been involved in big games in cup finals and cup semifinals and cup games in general, you win the moments you generally win the game and who tends to win those moments the better players tend to win those moments because they've got better quality. And I mentioned Juranovic as one of the players that Celtic had that is just that top-level player in comparison to the rest of the players in the league. Jota is another player, and Kyogo's another player. Kyogo, now, Kyogo and Jota now have more goals in the Glasgow Derby than Kent and Morelos do in two seasons, and that's because they're better players. And again, it was Jota that got the goal. Again, Maeda, unbelievable cross, but Jota is the key man again. He scored again against Rangers, and that for me is the difference between Celtic and Rangers, is that top-level individual that Celtic have spread amongst many, many other good players. I agree, particularly in the the final third. I I think that's been a huge um, differentiator, and increasingly the last two seasons, um, the difference in quality of keeper play uh so if you get if you go back to the three nil i think it was february 2nd last season uh, when hatate had the two goals i mean there was two you know they were two goals that uh, mcgregor was quite poor on right so uh hart hasn't had those kind of moments against them um and the quality of our attacking you know our forwards and the attacking midfielders with the Occasional exception of Arfield, who can be a decent finisher. Um, they just haven't had, you know, really anyone that's stepped up um, in, in, you know, their, let's call it their attacking five that that um, have done a good job in finishing. So it, it, it's, um, you know, when when you combine those two things, I mean, that, that's, that's what, when you're in a relatively tight uh, competitive situation, those are the things that really swing games, whether it's a one-off game or, you know, 
if a pattern emerges over a series of games. And I, I'd say, you know, in the Ange era, that's been, um, you know, the, those two things have been material in, in these Derby matches um, where, you know, just increasingly our, our, our people take chances, finish them, and, and Hart doesn't make any mistakes uh, of, again, from a shot-stopping perspective, let's put it that way, or a positioning perspective, whereas McGregor's been increasingly a wild card. Uh, and again, that wasn't as much the case um, in, in this game. Uh, but more so over the two seasons. Although you could argue, you know, again, you don't expect a 41-year-old keeper to be able to collect that cross. I mean, it was a great cross, but even if it hadn't been as such a great cross, you know, he wasn't getting laterally across to get back to punch that. Or, you know, it, it was a fairly easy, um, uh, you know, to get the ball over him. In, in, um, so the, even the margin of error of it not being as great of a cross as it was would have been you know, quite wide. So, yeah, I, I think those are the, the main issues. And again, if you just look at, I mean, Sakala, go, bring it back to a benchmarking perspective. Like, I mean, Sakala's various metrics that measure quality of shooting and decision-making, he's in the fifth, fifth percentile of, of uh, across Europe uh, and, you know, kind of global benchmarking. So that, you know, that that's the, this was not a one-off. Like this is within the context of a guy who's pretty clearly, at least over the last two seasons, again, we don't, I don't have the data going back further, but um, that this might not be a strength of his, <laughs> obviously. Uh, so, you know, uh, whereas we've got guys like Jota and, and Kyogo and even when he's played a Bata that, you know, for the most part, really do a good job at um, finishing those kind of chances. Uh, so, yeah, that's a huge deal. And we've talked about over and over again, um, you know, Kent's decision-making and the, the, the last thing I'll say, which I think, uh, you know, I was, I, I listened to a Celtic underground podcast and they were talking about it, um, about how, you know, tired, kind of tired we looked and, you know, I'll contrast that. We kind of look like a tired team and they look like a team where several people didn't want to be there. <laughs> and that was kind of the game unfolded that way where, you know, you had Kent Morales that were just abject, while they were on the pitch and we've got, you know, a long season, I, I kind of kind of the Bielsa effect, right? Which is we play this certain style and we're getting in the last kind of leg here of these games. And it's only natural that, you know, players mentally and physically start to maybe run out of gas a little bit. And I, I think that was kind of the, the broader dynamic that looked like it was playing out. Yeah. And particularly one player who's going to be out for the rest of the season. That's, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who's getting a lot of plaudits in the aftermath of this game and in the comments. And if you're in the comments, do make sure to hit the like button as well and subscribe to the channel and keep the comments coming on the YouTube channel. But Alan, I mean, if you're going to go out, we spoke about this before the game, like Cameron Carter-Vickers likely going to be out for the rest of the season. But if you're going to go out, you may as go out, may as well go out the way he went out. And that was just another fridge performance. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, actually, because I think, coming back to a conversation we've had previously about some of the midfielders is that in this game, it was, it was Carter Vickers who had the uh, let's call it the big moments. So he had the chance to shine in terms of some last ditch defending and some quite, um, you know, uh, obvious defending that he had to do. But if you actually look over the, over the uh, 90 minutes, uh, Starfelt was virtually uh, faultless in his defending uh, I think he he in the second half he he gave the ball away um, in his own half a little bit 
so is, is the one the one pass he does <laughs> like every game uh, it didn't lead to much thank you thankfully but that was just really his only blip in the whole game he he was incredibly solid um and consistent and as i said one thing i will say about starfield is he defends his box really really well i mean he's a he's a great box defender he's just not a very good outside the box defender if you know what i mean but you know Kratovic and, and Starfield between them, you know, dealt with everything that they they had thrown at them, and and indeed did Hart. I think Hart's uh, performance was also worthy of comment because um, he was commanding in the box, he was coming for crosses, he was being decisive in in, in aerial balls coming at him, and he did exude <laughs> the sort of confidence you'd expect from someone of his experience. So I think the three of them just formed a very very kind of solid. Uh, back three that was very difficult for them to 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 um you know to pass and i think you know there's a few people in the comments making similar similar views i think you know um pat and paul in the comments and then another comment i just wanted to pick up on uh which which i, I kind of agreed with was that um that you, you know what maybe come maybe this will get us into the sort of performance fee outcome debate is that what i think mickey beale has done well uh, really, is that in in each game he seems to be increasingly stopping Celtic, the, the Celtic attack, right? Our xG per game is going down against them. Our average xG per shot is going down against them. We're having less shots. We're getting into their box less. Now, you need to factor in a lot of game state because <laughs> we're talking about a very small sample of games, and in games against them, we've tended to have the lead. We've, t- we've sometimes had two goal leads. There's been no need for Celtic to go chasing goals, okay? And so that will tend to suppress our own attacking stats and, and amplify theirs. So there's a lot of game state stuff going on. When you look at the, the stats between the teams, um, you know, they're, they're, they look very close. I think I think although the, the goal count is something like 12 to 5, sorry if I've got that wrong, over the season, the XG is something like 7.5 to 6.5. Right, so it's like one xG between the teams over the over the whole season. But again, Celtic go three 0 up in the first game. There is no need. You've been gifted to you know, three goals. You don't have to go chasing the fourth. Oh, they gifted us another one. If we weren't, going, we weren't even looking for it. We didn't need it. We'll, we'll take it anyway. You know, we're three one up in another game. We're one nil up in a cup semi final. We don't need to go chasing the game. So, game state has a lot to do with some of the stats that are underlying. But also, you have to give credit to Beal in that what he has successfully done is he has stifled Celtic. The problem that he's got is that that's all come at the cost of not, and this is what we've talked about with other teams in the Scottish Premier League. They've done, some teams have done a really good job of setting up a low block, packing the middle, um, you know, and really stopping Celtic getting the overloads they want, getting the balls through the channels that they want. But they've almost done it to the absolute detriment of being able to then break up the pitch and score a goal. And eventually they get worn down and the five subs and all that. It's a little bit similar with them. You know, they really haven't cracked how to unpick Celtic, having stifled their attack. And I think that's the big, uh, the big, the big next step for them. But I come back to the point you made, Ender, about better players. Because this, to me... And, and 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 I know that analogies can all all can all always be picked apart, and this maybe isn't a perfect one, but just bear with me. But if we go back to the Celtic team of the mid to late nineties, where you know we had certainly an awful lot of attacking talent, and if you look at the derbies in that period, when you know they were lording it, they had 
lots of the bank's money that they could magically spend, etc. But they had a huge array of you know attacking talent, Lyodrup, Gascoigne, McCoy's, Haitley, and all those. But the rest of the team was packed with really solid defensive guys. Um, although we did get the odd hammering, the games were generally close because for Celtic, these were massive games. And Celtic would put everything into these games. And they're kind of in that position now. Celtic are there to be shot at. They're the challengers. And they're going to put everything into these games. And, and Celtic only won, I think, five out of 28 derbies in the last part of the, the 1990s. And the reason really came down to is the very basic point that you said, Ender, which is that they simply didn't have better players. They had good attacking players, but they didn't have good defensive players. And all, 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 the, all Rangers at that point needed to do was break a few times and they'd probably score a goal. And I think that's the position, a little bit the position that they're finding themselves in now, is that this is this is all about can they beat Celtic now? And, and, and it's only been amplified by the fact that Giovanni van Bronckhorst has been seen off and Beal cannot get a win against Celtic. And this becomes a really big issue mentally and psychologically for them. And can they do it? And so every game against Celtic becomes a must win. They put everything into it. Aggression, they're flying into challenges, they're being really defensively strong. But have they got the quality to actually break Celtic down? Because Celtic played like a team to me, and I'm biased, right? But they played to me like a team that knew they were going to win that game. And that's psychologically a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like what Stephen said on the overlap, Stephen, from the 20-minute Tims. And he was half saying it in jest, but he was kind of serious as well when he said it, that it seemed that everything that the Rangers fans wanted was to stop Celtic doing things rather than doing things themselves. And that's sort of where it feels like the two teams are at now is that Celtic are very much the progressors and Rangers are the ones trying to stop them from doing that rather than Rangers trying to do something themselves. And I think, James, that's reflected in the way that Rangers set up in all those different games across the season under Michael Beale is that you you could put on a blindfold and say how Celtic play, the certain passes Starfelt's going to play, how Cameron Carter-Vickers going to play, the runs that Jota's going to make. You could not tell me with any certainty what style of play Rangers were going to play in that game versus the game previous. It's just they're throwing as much shit as the wall and hoping something sticks. Yeah, I, I, I begrudgingly... In a, in a, no, no, no in I a, get it. I get what you're saying. A, in a... And not like an educated way. They're not just guessing. But yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll be a little more charitable, kind of like begrudgingly. Um, I agree with Alan, meaning that, um, you know, it's ugly at times. But um, you know, they, they were deploying uh, some tactics that, you know, quite frankly, have given us trouble against lesser teams in the league. Um, and as we've talked about, they just have better players than the rest of the league. Um, so, you know, stifling, you know, if, if you're playing to stifle as your first priority, that kind of changes the equation. Um, and the issue for them, I think, is that, you know, again, if you do an apples to apples comparison season over season, you know, swap out Lundstrom, Raskin, and, you know, Davies for Bassey, Arebo, and Camara, when apparently he cared and wanted to play for Rangers, which I don't know what's going on there, but you know, there, there's a reason they got to a European final last season. Um, 
you know, some of it was fluky. I mean, they had a lot of positive kind of variants and, um, you know, as we talk about and over and over again and, and, um, you know, in tournament football game to game, you can get a string of, of, uh, uh, kind of positive things breaking your way. And they certainly did to their, again, to their credit, they played well during that stretch, but those are, you know, three really high quality players that obviously got sold for a lot of money. Well, two of them. Um, and you know, Kamara was when he was in kind of peak form, was really good within that kind of system that they run and they just don't have, I mean, can't well, I mean, cut me a freaking break. Right. I mean, that that's <laughs> him and Lundstrom in particular are, are, are laughable relative to that quality. Um, and, and so this is where I go back to trying to come up with a framework to attribute and analyze how much is resource, how much is system and how much is players. And I think, you know, the, the, the positive thing to come out you should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Out of this is that we still have more money. We still have the better system. Um, and it, right now we have the better players. Uh, how you allocate that, I think, is obviously always the interesting question. And, you know, I think their system, the way that their their tactics, while not exciting and you can you know talk about the purity of style of football and all that stuff i agree with alan like there's been progress there and we lambasted beal in in the cup final in february because of how ridiculous it kind of came out um, so, and so did their own fans by the way sorry yeah, yeah yeah um so i think they made material progress including you know in game making a switch as alan chronicle going to the 442 diamond and so they did pretty much win the midfield and and mo- even when the game was more balanced or even we were in control we weren't doing anything centrally i mean they were you know it was back to the old uh gerard period when they played the christmas tree right that you know they, they pretty much clogged the middle and were forcing us wide and you know, we weren't getting a lot of joy doing it. Um, so, 
you know, so there it comes back to, can they actually do anything on the counter, right? So if you're setting up to play this way and you're only going to get a handful of situations and free kicks, when you get those situations, you've got to convert. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier is they don't have the players to do that, right? So that very easily, you know, was a draw kind of game or could have been a one nil loss. I mean, again, it, as as excellent as the sequence was to for us to score, it was still kind of fluky. I mean, it was a foul on Raskin, and it was you know one of these errors of Robertson not calling fouls that actually broke in our direction for a change. Um, but it was kind of fluky. I mean, it wasn't because we had you know kind of man to man system versus system. You know, we created a chance out of it. It was you know kind of a weird thing that happened. Um, so yeah, I, I again, results are all that matter. It's it's a tournament. It's one off game. Uh, but as far as kind of like the timeline, you know, we now we now enter kind of the window of uncertainty, right? We'll maybe talk about this in the coming weeks about what what are financial resources going to be? What you know what um, what are play acquisitions going to be? What's that talent pipeline going to look like as they now overhaul? We hopefully build from a position of strength um, because I think the system matchups are probably you know, it's going to be tough now, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it's going to, I don't, I don't think Beal's going to come out and winging it with harebrained, you know, schemes and that kind of thing. Like, I, I, it's not that he sussed out what we're doing, but, you know, it, it, it's going to be a, a resolute kind of uh, situation from a tactics and a setup perspective. And then it's a match of, of wits as far as ta- uh, uh, tweaks. And then who's got the better players and who's, mentality and you know all these things that are on the margins when you've got a fairly equal matchup and i think on that one element we're at least in the neighborhood now we got all these externalities that could swing things quite a bit um Mm. as we head towards next season yeah Uh, there's let's talk about the rest of the season then or even just going forward past that because celtic have not won the treble yet they're still a win away from the league and they still need to get past inverness in the final so We'll wait before jumping the gun on saying Celtic have won the treble, but they're certainly strong favourites for the treble. Definitely going to win the double um, at this point. But and, and Alan, Car- Alan lucking out, the test of his loyalty does not have to occur. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you were no, a fucker, no. man. Yeah. Um, just for Enda, just before you move on, you know, because as I said, I want to acknowledge and and be open that if you look at the data, if you just looked at the data of these Derby games over the season, it looks really, really close, right? But I said that, that there was, there was you know, two bits of context I wanted to throw in, and, and I did one of them, which was the the game state, right? Celtic were generally always leading in these games. That tends to mean that you can, you don't have to then force it. You can, you know, you're not stat padding, you know what I mean? I keep talking about the sort of stat padding. You're not, we're not going for goals five and six in the in the, in the 80th minute kind of thing. We're, we're, we're often seeing out games quite comfortably, actually. Um, so even if it's just a one goal game, so that's important. And I think the other the other point I wanted to raise was the context in which each of these derby matches took place, because I think that's crucial. Because I I I will assert that they, that, 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 and I know this is going to sound a little bit ridiculous because you sort of think, well, it's a derby, it's Celtic against the Rangers. You know, every both teams want to equally win, but I I would assert that in each just because of the way the fixtures fell and when they fell. The, the 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 pressure was on them to win each game to a far more far greater degree uh, than it was for Celtic. So what do I mean by that? 
So the first game of the season, the first derby, September the 3rd, uh, Celtic win 4-0. Van Bronckhurst has given up a large lead in the league when he took over and seen Celtic win the title and, and, and the League Cup. He's under a lot of pressure now to get that title back. Therefore, the first derby of the season is that time for you to say, right, this is our team for this season. I've made acquisitions in the summer. We're going to show you what we've got. And they lost heavily, right? The second derby of the season was January the 2nd. Um, this is Dar- this is Beale's first derby, right? And he's at home. Not only that, he's been a lucky general. What do I mean by that? Celtic are laid low with a, with a flu bug um, before the game. Key players are not fit. Some miss out, right? Um, you, you, as a new manager, you want to win your derby, your derby, get yourself off, off, off of the, uh, you know, off of zero, and get get yourself in the book sort of thing. And also, not only that, Celtic was, I think, by that stage had a nine point lead. It was a must win game. They were at home, and he couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it done. They only drew, right? And then you come to the third one. The third one's the League Cup final. The League Cup final was a debacle. It was two one to Celtic. But, you know, Beal completely screwed up the, the, the approach to the game, the tactics, everything. So suddenly, you know, he's looking at Celtic getting the first trophy of the season and they're still nine points uh, um, uh, behind in the league. So the next derby, 8th of April, you know, Celt- they come to Celtic Park. This is the last chance. They have to win this game. It's the only chance they've got of winning the league, right? Celtic could win, they could lose, draw, probably wouldn't change much, uh, but, they, but they absolutely have to win this game. And Celtic, you know, quite easily get into a 3-1 three, three, lead. All right, there was a goal, you know, to pull it back, but they saw the game out easily, relatively easy, but it was still only a one-goal one defeat. And then we come to the semi-final. They're staring at Celtic, eighth treble in their history. It's the last chance they have for a trophy, and Beale still hasn't won a derby. Um, so, the, so, so what I'm saying is every one of those games, I think the pressure was disproportionately on them to produce. They had to produce. The consequences for Celtic losing that game, each each of those games was far less and they haven't been able to do it. So you can look at the stats and you can say, OK, this looks pretty level. This looks pretty even. But they've had they've had to fight in every game to get nothing. Right. And I think that context is really, really important. Now James might disagree. James might say, "Well, yeah, but at the end of the day, it could it could you know Tavernier doesn't hit the post, so, you know, et cetera, et cetera." And I, I accept that, but I think that context is important over that such a small sample of games. And 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 what you, we also cannot discount is the cumulative impact. Now it may well be that not many of those uh, players at Ibrox are going to be there next season, and it may be that they go into the first derby of next season with almost a new eleven players who haven't experienced uh, defeat and disappointment and don't have the monkey on their back. Uh, but equally, they don't know what the game's about <laughs> and, and and have they played together before and what quality are they? We don't, these are all unknowns, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I know this is all sounds like a bit, a bit um, you know, got green, green glasses on, but I do think that context is really important in terms of looking at these games, considering that the stats say, that actually it was very, very close. And I don't I welcome James's sort of views on that. I, yeah, I actually agree with you. I, I, I'm, I'm actually generally critical of, um, you know, the, the over application of, uh, of probability analysis in, in short term, meaning that, and I've, I think I've mentioned this on a prior show, but one of the things that you've seen in, uh, for example, in the baseball playoffs as a team like the Tampa Rays, 
who are insanely well managed over the regular season kind of carry that philosophy into the into the postseason where they've had a starting pitcher that's dominating shutting down an opposing team and because the probability model says well this is when you take the guy out over a thousand games as a person who's played you know who played baseball for 35 years and you know uh when you're facing an opposition uh pitcher under pressure right in a big game and they are dominating you it becomes a mental thing and when that guy comes out of the game you're like oh thank god i didn't want to face him again because he's been wiping the floor with us Right. So I, I these kind of um, uh, mental issues are absolutely important and, and, and vital, um, I, I, I would argue, in, in the micro. And, um, you know, for example, did some of those things uh, occur that you're mentioning contribute to the finishing issues that they have? Right. On, on the margin, is it a, an issue where they tighten up because of the pressure, because of everything that's going? Absolutely. I mean, those these fine margins um, I, I think are, are material um, when, when you're talking about, uh, the, you know, big games and that kind of stuff. I'm a big believer in clutch. You know, there are certain players that under pressure just come through. And there's a big one right now in the NBA, Jimmy Butler, this guy in the NBA. I mean, it, again, I'm a, I'm a Sixers fan, a Philadelphia 76ers fan. And he was with the Sixers for a little bit. And he's one of these guys, when he gets in the playoffs, he, he turns into Michael Jordan, Right. He just all of a sudden, I mean, he scored 56 points the other night. And, and he's not a guy who's like incredibly talented. He just all of a sudden flips the switch in the playoffs and turns into a lunatic. And I mean that in the best sense of the word. So 100%, and he's done it repeatedly. Like this is not coming out of one game, flash in the pan type of thing. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the cumulative thing, they had already dropped points in the first, before the first derby. Right. So not only did you have last season, I think they tied uh, Hibbs heading into it. So they were already behind in the league. And right. So absolutely. These these kind of things uh, can can have I, I agree can have a, a cumulative um, impact. It, it I my criticism comes in when they start, you know, the, the, the scope of them become the narrative relative to some of these other things, which is, mm. you know, because of that on the margin issue that is there saying, oh, well, we're going to slaughter them in the league next year, yeah. right? Or we should be favored by 20 points. You know, it's that – it's the relative degree that I think is, uh, you know, narrative versus whether it's something on the margin that is material and important, but, you know, not let's not overstate it is kind of where I come in. Yeah. Quinny in the comments agrees with you. He says Jimmy Buckets. So oh, he agrees incredible. with that analogy. Um, I, I, just to finish off on that point, because I, I did mention in the reviews of the, those previous podcasts of the, the Derby games that the damage that not winning those games for Rangers would have had mentally versus Celtic not playing very well, the damage that would have had to them was so much higher. And I, I, just a final point on the margins is that Yes, Celtic are, you know, well ahead of Rangers in the league and deservedly so in terms of the the points and the, the season that both teams have had. But one point that was very interesting from the Premier League at the weekend was Aston Villa lost 1-0 to Man United. And Aston Villa are seventh in the table. They're 54 points. Now, they're nine points off Champions League spots, but they're they're quite close and many people would have them very, very close in quality to a top four side at the minute, especially since Unai Emery took over. And Emmy Martinez came out and said they're nowhere near Champions League level. Absolutely nowhere near Champions League level. And that's that's the point that I would make is that 
on the base level, you know, Rangers might have a couple of players or that are as good as Celtic players, but Celtic play the Celtic team in general, the Celtic system, everything in it makes the margins wider between the quality of the players. So in what I'm basically trying to say in a clunky way is that Celtic do have better players, but the margin and difference between Celtic players and Rangers players is not as big as we might think it is. But cumulatively, cumulatively, and when you put it all together, when you put Ange into it, when you put the mentality of the player together, that's when it starts to grow in terms of the gap of the two sides. That's that's the big difference I would have between the two clubs in general at the minute where they are. Well, and, and, and again, let's, for conversation's sake only, let's assume that the financial situation between the two clubs doesn't change in a material way heading into next season. Granted, knowing that that might not be the case, but for, for conversation's sake, if they just do a smart job in replacing Kent, Morellis, and McGregor, right? Because again, talking about what we, what, we, what I mentioned earlier uh, in the show, finishing and preventing our finishing, <laughs> if there's a material upgrade in those situations, all of a sudden, right, what, what, what looks like a fairly wide golf this season because of the results, even though some, as Alan said, some of the underlying performance metrics are, are, are closer, we're still comfortably, you know, ahead. Uh, all of the things that Alan mentioned as far as game state and everything else, um, uh, important context as well. So I, I would say we're, we're more comfortably than the raw statistics would, would suggest, um, you know, that can tighten things. And then you get into, you know, th- the idea that Rangers were 20 plus points better than us, even in the colossal debacle of 2021 is laughable. Like they weren't, I mean, it was just a confluence of a lot of things that created this crazy gap in, in the table. Um, so, you know, th- when you have a league where you really only have two teams that are competitive with each other, and then you have all these other things that we talk about as far as officiating variability and all these other things, you know, it doesn't take a lot to make a really tight title race. (laughs) Even when, you know, uh, one of the teams is supremely well-managed and the other one, maybe not quite as well-managed and now with a lot of uncertainty. Um, So yeah, there's, as I've talked about before, you know, when Ange came in or when um, uh, Beal came back in and now with Wilson leaving for them, change always creates opportunity and risk, right? So, um, you know, th- there's upside and downside here for us relative to what they end up doing. Uh, but it's certainly tight enough and it's by definition, it's going to be tight enough just because of the nature of the league um, that unless there's something calamitous that goes on with them financially, you know, it, it's still going to be within a margin of error that things like mentality, things like confidence are always going to have a material impact. Mm. Well, we were going to have a conversation about where they are going forward, but we might park that for another day because we don't really have, have time to go too in-depth with it. But all I would say is not to be, I, I don't want this to be a negative podcast because Celtic just, you know, once again beat Rangers um, in a semifinal to go for, another travel but um what i would say is if you just cast your mind back to two and a half years ago we were sitting here having a conversation about celtics mess in the boardroom the ceo the scouting networks the manager 
the mess of the players, the build-up of players who we can't sell because their contracts are running out. And now within two and a half years, in a way, Celtic looked their way to Ange Postacoglu as opposed to Eddie Howe. And it could have been a completely different situation under Eddie Howe. Now, look at what he's doing at Newcastle. Probably would have been pretty positive regardless. But um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he would have got a half a billion dollars at Celtic. <laughs> No, well, that's true. But also, like, uh, this came from a position of real, real struggle here, Alan, where Celtic were at. I know financially they were probably secure that they could ride that off, and it's a different story across the city. But, I mean, it does not take long. It takes one bad season and one good season from the other side for this to completely flip. Yes, and and I think for one season, and that's what we saw. We saw yes, one one yeah, season yeah. Where, where it yeah. flipped. Right now, you know, Celtic did fall on their feet. I don't think you know. Well, we've we've heard bits of the story of how they came upon Ange Postecoglou. My goodness, did they land on their feet? I think that in in conjunction with Peter Law leaving the building, allowed Celtic to move to a very different model of running the football club. Um, um, but it does appear. Um, that uh, you know, Ange has an incredible um, control over football operations, uh, which is a different problem. You know, it's great at the moment we're winning, we're signing good players, but it, it's not. I'm not still not quite sure that's the sort of modern, um, you know, organisation structure that we want. And by what I mean by that is, you know, if if there's a risk, it all falls to the ground when one guy leaves. That's not a good model, right? You want a model whereby if if, if a key person leaves. It's, it's disruptive, but it's not. It's not a game changer. You want the system to be stronger than any individual in terms of the way that the club is run. I, my fear is that we're all, we're almost wholly reliant on on Ange to a ridiculous degree, and that if he weren't there, there would be an enormous vacuum. And then what would happen then? Having said all that, the, one of the other reasons that Celtic were able to were able to recover from the COVID season and get back on the winning uh, foot was the fact that the fundamentals of the club were strong. You know, the, the balance sheet was strong. There was money in the bank. And crucially, there was saleable assets uh, in this playing squad, which we were able to sell. And, you know, fortunately, we were able to then recruit very, very smart players on, on the back of that. And, you know, Celtic have got an inbuilt financial advantage, which you can, I've, I've tried it on my spreadsheet, there's different ways you can cut it and slice it, and there are variables, right? But anything between 15 and 20 million pounds a year, right? Celtic, through having 10,000 more seats, um, 10,000 people through the door, each and every game more match day income, and through being 10 million ahead on commercials. Okay, now these, there's variables in there, right? The number of games that you play the amount that you charge people for tickets, et cetera. And there's other variables around, you know, co- you know, competition in Europe and selling players and all sorts of things, right? But if you bear, if you pair it back as much as you can to the non-variables, Celtic start each and every season with a significant financial advantage over the nearest rivals. And what that means, or it should mean, is that Celtic could sign bad players. Ange could leave and we could, you know, get a dud in we could then lose the league title because of the other 
other aspects that James rightly said, the rest of the competition aren't good enough to take points off them. They only need to beat us in two and a half games out of four in the league, etc. Right. But the next season, how do they make up that, that, that deficit? And the next season, and the next season, and the next season, and the next season. That's tough. That is really, really tough because the fundamentals aren't going to change in the short term. They're not going to build 10,000 more seats at Ibrox. They'd have to demolish the place and start again. That'd be funny. Anyway, um, they're not going to, I don't believe, my opinion is they're not going to close the gap on commercials because for various reasons that we'll get into in another part, just in terms of, but just look at the way that they behave with all the commercial partners that they have and and look at the way that Celtic are relatively well organised on that basis. So, so th- I think those fundamentals are very strong, and 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 almost insulate Celtic from a multi-year disaster. All things being equal, all things being equal, it doesn't stop another COVID-type season. It doesn't stop them having another Leicester City moment, etc. But and it doesn't stop them winning a cup with a penalty kick or a bounce of the ball. Right, that will happen. But the fundamentals over thirty-eight games are very strong for Celtic, and it's going to take an enormous. Uh, effort by Celtic to fuck that up, frankly, uh, and that's where we are today. But we'll get into this more. We're just to, get to tell people that we're, we're getting Kieran the much, the much vaunted and rightly so, Kieran Maguire from the the um, the Price of Football Pod will be on this show uh, towards the end of May, and we'll dig into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be coming out at the end of May so stay tuned for that and if you want to get that make sure you subscribe to the channel and I hope Kieran is going to inbuild the 4.4 million valuation that Celtic have put on Vasilius Barkas's head as well because that money's as good as there so we may as well go out and spend it immediately um, <laughs> Is that equivalent to the 7 million that the Rangers will get for Kamara is that is that kind of the same accountancy firm that's come up with that evaluation? Something like that Something like that, yeah. Um, right, that's where we'll park the show today because I got a run and um, I think we've covered literally. Much everything. You mean that literally? literally. You, you have another twenty. You can run after your efforts. Well, I, I'm, I'm I'm parked up on the side of the road at Belfast here, so I have to finish this race at some point in time. So might as well <laughs> might as well get it done out of the way. Uh, now, listen. If you are watching on YouTube, be sure to hit like and subscribe, and keep the comments coming as well. And if you're new to the show and you want to listen back to the podcast, it's available on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you get your podcast as well. Uh, James Allen, thanks again as always. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. <clears throat> and we'll chat to you next week. Good luck. Time to play the game. Time to play the game.
Make decisions for your company. You look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.